tell me, what sense does it make? Why does God give a family a baby and take them in six months? Ron Hutchcraft remembers when that happened to his family. And they were rushing my baby brother to the hospital. And uh, I was whisked off to my grandmother's, I think, or she came there to stay. And uh, by the next morning, he was gone. That was years ago. Today, Ron is dealing with another devastating loss, and he shares what God is teaching him on this episode of GPS, God, People, Stories. I'm Jim Kirkland. And I'm Phil Fleischman. You'll also hear Billy Graham with a word on loss. What is death? Is there a future life? Is there a heaven? Is there a hell? You can learn all about what happens after death at this website, findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. God, people, stories. Ron Hutchcraft married his wife, Karen, in 1965. They began their life together with a clear vision for sharing the hope of Jesus Christ with teens and young adults. And it it was very clear to me uh, that I already had been involved with Youth for Christ, and they they were about youth evangelism. But the the simple math really is what got to me, that 75% of the people ever come to Christ do it by the age of 18. In his own life, Ron was part of that 75%, but his parents weren't. I grew up on the south side of Chicago in a family where I never heard about Jesus. And when we hear about lost people, uh, we were the lost. And I remember my dad was a machinist, and uh, we didn't have much money. Uh, We were one of the last um, white families in a rapidly changing neighborhood. And I grew up in a neighborhood where I didn't... uh, Somebody forgot to tell the kids. We didn't get the memo that there was racial tension. Uh, maybe the adults knew that, but we just were all were friends. I, I'm, we missed it. I'm glad we missed it. I'm really glad. And uh, in that little apartment, I remember, you know, my folks, we didn't have much money. They did have money for um, cigarettes and alcohol and gambling. When Ron was four years old, he became a big brother. His parents had a baby boy named Stephen. And Stephen uh, was always smiling, always happy. Six months old, I remember a lot of stress in our apartment one night, and um, it was kind of a blur to me. I knew everybody was rushing around, and they were rushing my baby brother to the hospital. And uh, I was whisked off to my grandmother's, I think, or she came there to stay, and uh, by the next morning, he was gone. Doctors never figured out exactly what took Stephen's life. Whatever the cause, though, Ron says his dad was crushed by his son's death. He was slammed with a grief that he had nothing to in his heart to use to deal with it. Uh, and <clears throat> the man was brokenhearted. He shed a lot of tears. Uh, and realizing I got this one boy left, um, something in him told him that he should take this little boy to church. So we drove three blocks to the closest church. I'm so grateful that church was one where Jesus was talked about. He didn't go in. Oh, no. No, he, he, he didn't do church. Um, he just sat out in his machinist clothes and smoked a cigarette and read the Sunday paper. While Mr. Hutchcraft sat in his car, his son was inside the church making friends and learning about Jesus. And uh, over a period of time, I, I went to junior church one Sunday, and I remember that 
Um, a lady who was a retired missionary was uh, held up an alarm clock, one of those old, blah, 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 you know, clanging ones. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and she talked about, you never know when that alarm's going to go off and our time is up. And uh, she used an object lesson. And, uh, and I said I wanted to talk to her afterwards. And uh, we went down somewhere in the bowels of the church. It seemed like we, the cave we went to, but she led me to Christ that morning. Mm-hmm. I came running out to the car, and I said, Daddy, guess what? I asked Jesus into my heart. Honestly, I don't remember his reaction, but I don't know that he would know what to say. I mean, he probably went, well, it can't be bad. Well, it's nice. You know, I mean, it's, a nice, it's not a bad thing, right? One of the men in the church, a man named John, noticed little Ron Hutchcraft's dad, also named John, by the way, waiting for Ron every Sunday. And one day he went out to the car, and he didn't just stay in the church and wait for my dad to come in. He went out to the car, and he said, oh, my name's John, which is my name's John. Uh, and he said, you know, um, he said, we have a, um, and I bring my boy here every week, and and church John said, well, you know, I teach a Sunday school class for men, and love you ever come on, oh, I don't have clothes for church. And he said, no, we don't carry dress, that's fine. So um, eventually my dad came in, started going to that class, and I was in a Christmas program. My dad came to that program, came that night because I was in that program, and that night he responded to the gospel, went forward, gave his heart to Christ. That happened when Ron was six. His mom gave her heart to Christ shortly after his dad did. Ron's faith continued to grow, and he was involved in Christian youth ministry all through high school. And it was in high school, specifically his senior year, that Ron took a long, hard look at his faith. He went to three different high schools because of his dad's work moving the family from Illinois to Missouri to New York. So I had three different exposures, but what I had going for me the first two places was a very active Christian youth subculture. I went to my senior year, I went to New York and I hit a wall. I mean, to give you an example, the student who was the editor of the school newspaper was an avowed communist. And, and so I was suddenly, there was no youth group. I was our youth group. And I was all alone. First time in my life I had been all alone as a Christian. And I was, uh, some of the top students were in this convert, this seminar class, and our teacher really got us thinking about comparative religions and everything. And I began to realize, I'm like, why do I believe all this stuff? And he, he said, if you hadn't grown up the way you grew up, would you still believe what you believe? Other people grow up another way and they believe something else. I thought, whoo, man. Because surrounded by Christian cuddlies everywhere else, I didn't have to really deal with that. And I, uh, I ended up... Uh, really doing my own study. Is Jesus really who he said he was? Um, uh, Is Jesus really alive? And I'll tell you what, I became so convinced of the reality of Jesus Christ because I had to make it first person, singular, real, demonstrable evidence behind it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it fueled a, a, a fire in me from that point on. From there, Ron would go on to graduate from Moody Bible Institute, marry his wife, Karen, and begin with her a lifelong ministry to youth from all walks of life. God has kept my heart alive for uh, cross-cultural, for youth, and, and still believing that that's when you've got to get to people before the cement turns hard. Because if somebody walks, and, and it gets younger and younger, but if somebody walks across that high school graduation platform without Christ in their heart, The chances are they will live, die, and be forever without Christ. 
Sharing Christ with people who don't know him became a passion for the entire Hutchcraft family. Ron and Karen had three children, two sons and one daughter. And the family was devastated last May when Karen died unexpectedly. Karen and I were partners on almost every conceivable level. Uh, Not all couples work together, do ministry together, start a ministry together, uh, travel together. Uh, Karen and I did everything together. From the age, from the time I was 19, um, which is like 112 years ago, um, I I did every day of my life with Karen. She's the only person who shared all my life experiences. We could finish each other's sentences. Didn't have to explain anything to her. We lived it all together. Uh, She had a tremendous ministry to Native American young women. I received hundreds of tributes for months from people whose lives were saved, literally saved by her or changed by her. You're in a better place I've heard a thousand times And at least a thousand times I've rejoiced for you But the reason why I'm broken The reason why I cry Is how long must I wait to be with you Ron says grief may well be the most violent of all human emotions He says it rips, it tears, and it's there for years And the question at this moment When you lose the anchor person of your life is Jesus enough? This Jesus you've talked about all your life, is he that alive? Is he that real? Is he that powerful? And I will tell you this, the grief really hurts, but this anchor holds. Nothing can ever separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hope is the key. Jesus gives Ron hope. The hope that I have, it doesn't cancel the grief. I view it this way. Paul said we do, we, we do not grieve. Now, had the verse stopped there, I'd have said the Bible doesn't work. We do not grieve as others who have no hope. It means over here on this side of the scale is grief, and it is heavy. The heaviest of all human emotions. Without Jesus... That scale goes clunk, all one way. On the other side, I have hope. The hope doesn't take the grief away, but it more than balances it. That hope, says Ron, is twofold. First, it assures him that Karen is now in heaven because she gave her heart to Jesus years ago. Second, that hope lets Ron know that Jesus will never leave him. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And he sustains those or saves those who are crushed in spirit. Well, I qualified. Not only is Ron choosing to cling to the hope that Jesus offers him, he says he's also not going to let his grief go to waste. Lord, I want you to use this grief to make me more useful to you than I've ever been before. This has now become part of my hope story. And I've found that when I speak honestly and authentically about grief, and then speak authentically and honestly about the hope that there are people listening who've never listened before in a way they've never listened before. The worst things that ever have happened in our lives become the platform 
doggone it, we don't want it to be this way. But they become the platform from which more people will listen when we tell about our Jesus than any other time. We want to hear about your Jesus now, boy. Let me hear now. Are you ready to hear more about Jesus and the difference he can make in your life? Visit us at this website, findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. Ron Hutchcraft has a little more to share with you about what God has taught him about life and death, and that's coming up in just a minute. You're listening to GPS, God, People, Stories, a podcast production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. What is death? Is there a future life? Is there a heaven? Is there a hell? Billy Graham. None of us here tonight knows whether we're going to be alive or not tomorrow. And the question comes to us all. After the days have passed and my life is over, shall I live again? Or when I die, is that the end of it? Nobody can study the teachings of Jesus without realizing that he believed and taught life after death. And Jesus also made it plain that there are two destinations. There is the place of destruction and judgment, and there's the place that is called heaven. And we're told a few things about it. We're told there's no more curse there, no more sin, no more death, no more pain, no more sorrow. What a wonderful, glorious world Christ is preparing for us. How do you get to heaven? You must come and give yourself to Christ. Come and give your life to Christ now while there's time. And now back to the hosts of GPS, Phil Fleischman and Jim Kirkland. Ron Hutchcraft wants every part of his life to glorify God. That includes the grief he's experiencing over his wife's sudden death and the loss of his baby brother more than 60 years ago. Based on my understanding of the Bible, my brother Stephen is in heaven because he wasn't old enough to make any decisions about Christ. So he was fine. He was the only one in our family that was ready to go. Good thing we weren't one of the ones who died. We were not ready. And because that baby died at six months, a father's heart was broken so his son could be exposed to Jesus, so he could come to Christ, so Stephen's mother could come to Christ. And I have spent my life telling people about this Jesus. And because a baby died, all my family is in heaven now except me, and I have had the privilege to be there for thousands of people coming to Christ. A baby dies who goes right into Jesus' arms, Don't mourn for him. And thousands of people end up getting ready to know Jesus and go to heaven. What a pleasure it was spending some time with Ron Hutchcraft. We thank him for telling his story, and we thank you for listening. I'm Phil Fleischman. And I'm Jim Kirkland. We also want to give a shout-out to Mercy Me. You heard some of their music in this episode, including the first single from their upcoming album, Lifer. And that song, Even If, is what you're listening to right now. GPS, God, People, Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news.
They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, right now I'm losing. 